Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call? Yep, that sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus, it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com save. Betterhelp.com save. Got it. This holiday season, you know what I have on my wish list? Adventure. That's why I got a new Honda during the Happy Honda Day sales event. They have a whole lineup of rugged, all-wheel drive SUVs, CRV, Pilot, Passport. But at the end of the day, I drove off in a new HRV with a bunch of safety features. And best of all, I got it on clearance. So don't just sit around knitting an ugly holiday sweater. See your local Honda dealer for Happy Honda Day's clearance pricing today. Oakland, L.A., Oakland, Vegas, Raider Nation, wherever, forever. You got your old Uncle Mosh and Raiders fan radio from Murph's Man Cave, taking a lighter journey into the dark side. Sit back, put your feet up, pop a top, and enjoy the ride. Here we go! Love you, and we'll see you in the Hall of Fame. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players, you have a great organization, and you tell them one thing, just win, baby. Way up the middle, intercepted to the piano at the 50, time running down, Oakland football, and I think Oakland victory. The Raiders have scored on the most famous, unbelievable, absolutely impossible dream of a play. Well, I love this team. I think this team can win. I think this team can win. What is up, Raider Nation? Your old buddy Murph back once again for another what we hope to be fantastic episode of Raiders Fan Radio. That's right. It is Sunday. It is Super Bowl Sunday, and this is the RFR Super Bowl Super Game Bowl Spectacular. I'm super not sure. Spectacular. Super Spectacular uh, with your uh, with your buddies Murph and Uncle Mosh. And uh, so, listen. So today we're going to do something fun. We're going to do something unique. We're not going to do a typical episode 
episode of Raiders Fan Radio. All we're going to do is talk about the past glory of the silver and black on this Super Sunday and relive some of the greatest moments in Raiders Super Bowl history. So thank you very much. I'm looking into the camera, Uncle Mosh. Thank you very much for joining thank us you, here uh, on, on Raiders Fan Radio. Thanks for joining <laughs> me and that uh, that disembodied voice that uh, that dons the southern annex of the Murph's Fan Cave desk. Welcome, Uncle Mosh. Hey, hey, hey. I'm so glad to be here. You know what? I, I, I'm, I'm a little off my game because I'm looking up. I'm so excited today. Yeah, today you are. Today is the number two day for food consumption other than Thanksgiving in the United States. And, and the stuff that's out there, it's like Americans eat more than a billion chicken wings on Super Bowl weekend. Oh, my gosh. No kidding. Yeah, they, there, was a, there was a stat on channel uh, on, on uh, uh, CBS this morning, and they were talking about uh, the amount of guacamole concern, consumed <laughs> would cover from, from goalpost to goalpost a football field like like three foot thick or something like that, and I'm oh like, no kidding ah oh, I could eat my way from the ten yard line <laughs> all the way. There was uh, the amount of chips would would stretch from from San Francisco to New York and back like five times. Uh, your son and I were on the way home from church this morning. Where I was I was reading the, the stats to him about all that, and we were salivating. So wow. we, we had to take a left turn and go get donuts. It was great. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you almost didn't make it uh, over this morning because you did take a donut detour, and you and my my almost sixteen year old son, you had him driving. Well, I have so, a driver now. Yeah, so you were being chauffeured while you were consuming mass quantities of donuts. Oh uh, yeah, I need to post one of those. I, there's a picture of me of me consuming donuts and and him driving and then later on i was teaching him the fine art of driving because he says his your, your wife god rest her soul god rest her soul god bless her soul um she uh she, golly i know right she, hey she rides with the kid well, I, I've been take it out mrs murph early yeah, on know, right, Sunday. Right. yeah no but she makes him they, they make each other so nervous when he drives you know and i go what do you mean what do you mean why does she make you nervous and he goes every time i put on the brake her feet are on the dashboard, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a good driver, man. Of course, I didn't know. I didn't look up from the plate of donuts I had at the time, but, <laughs> but he, he got us home safe, Yeah, and, uh, but I taught him the art of, of eating a donut and waving at the camera while driving with his knees. There you go. Now all you got to do is teach him how to moon and drive at the same time, and the uh, the circle will be complete. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. That's, I think I might have been fourteen when you taught me that. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and and you know, and it, it's just it's it's the way it goes. It's a life skill. It's a it's a it's a family skill. All right. So. Uh, so thanks for joining us here on uh, on Raiders Fan Radio Live. I don't even remember what we called this thing. I'll say it once again. Super Bowl. I got it written down. You got it written the down. The Raiders Fan Radio Super Sunday Super Bowl Super Show with your favorite two stupids. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I appreciate you all joining us. Thanks to everybody that's in the chat and a whole bunch. Uh, Haley in there, Mojo Raider, Bobby Wasabi, Raider Critique, Raider Rue, Raiders Voice, Sean Grogan, uh, Kevin the Raider Nerd. Uh, let's see who else in there. Alexander Stockton. A uh, whole bunch of you. Dave Cooper, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Raiders Fan Radio. So listen, this is what we're going to do today. We're Raiders fans. We will rep the Raiders every day, all day. All day. It doesn't matter who's playing in the game. We only represent one team. We represent represent the Raiders. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to go through and we're going to talk about the Raiders in the Super Bowl. And uh, this is going to be what they call evergreen content, Mosh. This is going to be good for now till the end of whenever, till the Raiders win or at least in appear 
in another Super Bowl. Our goal is to not only have fun and just relive all the past glory of the Raiders, but to give you guys some cool information, some cool, some cool tidbits. So when you're hanging out uh, with your friends and family and you're watching the game tonight and everyone's griping about the Patriots, you can instead be armed with some really cool Raiders stuff and keep the keep the conversation flowing in the right direction, the which right is direction. which is towards the Raiders. You know, it's so funny because back in the old days when when you and and uh, my other favorite nephew, when Sonny started this show. You guys used to start your uh, you used to start your conversations by saying, "What are we drinking today?" Of course, you guys yeah, were you yeah. know you were separated by the entire nation. He was on the West Coast, and you're out here in the Southeast. And uh, so, I think it's apropos that instead of talking about what we're drinking, because you and I are both drinking coffee, we talk, <laughs> yeah, about, yeah. We talk about what we're wearing. Yeah. So I'll describe what you got on. So All right. You got on. Your Kenny Stabler jersey, an absolute wore out, number 12, faded, it's awesome, and your favorite Raider hat, uh, this, it's, it's, it's the same outfit you were wearing when you posed for your... Your little, your little, your little doll. Your <laughs> Look for your, I'm sorry. Your action. That's figure. an action figure, Mike. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that hat that's that, that has it like this this great sweat line. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, broke in that favorite kind of hat and uh, and shorts because it's because we live <sighs> in an area where last Wednesday, just like six days, four days ago, whatever it was, four six, it's all the same. Um, it was. Minus, you know, 150 degrees. We were freezing. Yeah. We had to open up the refrigerator to get some heat in this room. <laughs> you know, and now it's almost 70 degrees outside. Now it's almost 70 degrees. Yeah. It's crazy. So. Uh, I was on the Behind the iPad show this last week, and they asked what the weather was going to be like in Nashville, and he said, is it going to be freezing cold? Are we going to be drinking coffee and hot chocolate, or is it going to be nice and warm outside? And I said, yes. Yeah. All that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like, it's going to, it's, it's, Tennessee has all four seasons and sometimes we get them all uh, in a week. Well, let me describe you then, okay. Uncle Mosh. You got your, you got your Atlanta Raiders uh, Booster Club shirt on, Absolutely. kindly sent to you by Kevin the Raider Nerd, which is awesome. Uh, then you've got your Carhartt uh, Raider hat which is uh, was sent to us by the Carhartt folks, which is really cool. And you've adorned it with your silver and black UK pin. Uh, and so uh, that's uh, that's kind of how we roll, man. And this is what we do every every certainly on Sundays for sure. Uh, this is how we, how we how we dress, man. It's just it repping the Raiders all the time around here, as I know many, many of you are as well. All right. So uh, thank you again for joining us. You can always find our show. <laughs> Murph's Fan Cave. Uh, it, it just search any podcast service and find Murph's Fan Cave. You can, uh, if you are a, an Apple user, use the Apple app. If you're an Android user, search in the Google Play Store and download our, our app for Raiders Fan Radio. And then uh, if you're a YouTube fan, go to Murph's, uh, excuse me, go to youtube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave and you can find us that way and subscribe to us, please. And so thank you to all the, and, those of you that already do. And they can join the chat. You don't have to be anything yeah. special. Get in there. I mean, we're we're talking about food right now, yeah. which uh, and we're talking about oh, I mean, they're talking about the game, and they're talking about everybody's talking about what they're eating. I mean, it's just it's a great time. It's it's the community. It's uh, it's, it's kind of favorite part now of the show. Oh yeah, the chat. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. So uh, there it is. All let's right, go. Let's so talk let's go. About so it. let's hit. All right, so let's just go ahead and dive into it. We've got a lot of content. Frankly, we have more content about the Raiders in the Super Bowl than we're going to be able to get to in this show. So we're going to get to as much of it as we possibly can. I'm sure we'll tag more of this stuff as we go along. Uh, but the gist of it is this, is that we're going to go through and talk about the Raiders and their history in the big game. So 
The Raiders uh, have played in the Super Bowl five times. Okay, now we have won three and we have uh, lost two. Um, we're going to focus mainly on the three wins. Like we're fans of the trilogy, whether it be uh, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or whatever. Like there's a lot of trilogies, the Godfather to be uh, fans of. And I'm a fan of the Raiders Super Bowl trilogy. So we're going to focus on those three games. But we definitely want to acknowledge the fact that they played in two more prior to that. So while we're not going to focus on the losses, we're going to at least acknowledge them that they happened. And in fact, uh, Uncle Mosh has uh, old Coach Gruden over his shoulder who was responsible for, for one of those losses. But Uncle Mosh, you want to tell us about the first one? Tell us about the first Super Bowl that the Raiders ever played in. Uh, here's the problem with you and young people. What? Young people is people I under... Thank you for calling me young people, uh, by the uh, way. I'll it's, own it's that. People, <laughs> it's people younger than me, which is, is most... And you want to talk about Super Bowl number two, the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. And they were 9-4-1, and one, and we were 13-1. and one. Yes. Okay. We were the AFC, AFL champions that AFL year. AFL champions. Destroyed the Houston Oilers Absolutely. on our way to that second Super Bowl. We got cheated in the Super Bowl. How did we get cheated? We in the got Super- cheated. They cheated us. They che- you people don't remember those films. Ha- that is like that's like the second <laughs> Zapruder film. That stuff has been locked away for I think it's another nineteen years. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we was so we was robbed. So we was robbed. Okay. We was All robbed right. on All that right. one. So we can just we can just that that John Rock. It should have been instead of the Lombardi Trophy. It should have been, been the John Rock it Trophy. It should have been the John Rock Trophy. All right, all right, fair enough. We all got right. cheated. All right, so we got cheated. So okay, let's go. So, you let's get rid of that. so get rid look, of let me show you. Okay, hold on, hold on. Yeah, get there, to me. There, there go. I got to you. Here's there, the stats go. on that Super Bowl. All right, Bowl. so that one doesn't count. That's no, all right. it doesn't count. All right, the other one that doesn't count is uh, Coach Gruden is over your shoulder. Now we love Coach Gruden right now. Okay, we love Coach Gruden today, and we loved him in the early 2000s. But back when this happened, we didn't love uh, Coach Gruden so much. Uh, we're going to reference a little bit when we get to the records. We're going to represent a little bit uh, Super Bowl 37, but for the most part, again, it's not part of the winning trilogy, so this is what we do with it. All right. There you go. Done. <laughs> Done. All there right. you go. That's all that needs to be said. That's about all that needs to be said L's. about those two Super Bowls. All right. So yeah. let's focus on now the overall picture. So here's the big picture: the Raiders in the Super Bowl. So when you look at the standings, so this is what's the, where do the Raiders fit into the lexicon of the NFL and the teams that have competed in the Super Bowl? Well, first and foremost, there's four teams that have never played in a Super Bowl. That is the Cleveland Browns, the Detroit Lions, the Jaguars, and the Houston Texans. And this is interesting to me, Mosh, because you have two classic NFL teams. Absolutely. Two, two of the original NFL teams, and then two of the newest NFL teams in the, in the Texans and Jaguars. So those four teams have never been in the Super Bowl. So when we look at the standings, so if you were to picture uh, Super Bowl appearances and you were to rank them just like you would a division, just like you would look at how how teams stack up against one another in a division. What is the standings? Well, the standings tell us that the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are number one uh, with a record of 6-2 and two in the Super Bowl and a winning percentage of 750. Okay, so they've won now more Super Bowls than anybody else. Now, the Patriots can tie them uh, today, but as of right now, the, it's, the, it's the Steelers. The Niners have won five, and so has also the Cowboys, and then, as I mentioned, the Patriots. So those are the next three teams in the standings. 
Uh, then with four wins apiece are the Packers and the Giants. Uh, both of those teams have an 800 winning percentage because they are four and one in the in the game. And then guess what? Guess who's at number seven, Mosh? Uh, it's a no-brainer. Our beloved Oakland Raiders. Our beloved Oakland Raiders. Three and two. Three and two in the game. So your your winning quarterbacks are Kenny Stabler, of course, and then two times uh, Jim Plunkett. Uh, Gannon lost the last one in thirty seven, and then LaMonica lost that that one that we was robbed in in uh, uh, back in sixty seven. But very interesting there, Raider Nation, is that I want you to consider this today when you're watching the game. And what is that, Mosh? Here's the problem with today's game. Today's game has no significance whatsoever. In terms Why, of what? In, ter- in, terms, of us, right? in terms of the real football fans, Raider Nation. Right. Because if, if, if New England wins another one, okay, they bump up ahead of San Francisco, they bump up ahead of Dallas, and they're right up there with Pittsburgh with, with six wins, okay? If the Rams win... They're, they go up to they go up to having played in four games. They're two and two. They're five hundred, and and guess what? They're right up there with Indianapolis, who we don't care about either. Right, and they're still not even in the top ten. We are in the top ten. They are in the bottom two thirds. So this game has no significance on us. There's one team ahead of us that can change places. We're still going to be number seven. And there's one team behind us, regardless of the outcome, that's still going to be in the bottom two-thirds. This game has no significance. This game doesn't matter. Sure. Mohawk has beaten us 12 years in a row. Sure, they're terrific athletes. But it doesn't matter. Do you know that they use the most sophisticated training methods from the Soviet Union, East and West Germany, and the newest Olympic power, Trinidad Tobago? But it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I tell you, it just doesn't matter. 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 It just doesn't matter, Mosh. Today's game just doesn't matter. it just doesn't matter so look i i understand why people hate the patriots i get it but i also understand why people hate the rams and you could put me in that camp too yeah. and i like the idea that the raiders are the only team that have a super bowl victory in the city of los angeles so there are multiple reasons to, to hate on either one of these teams and so because of the fact that neither one of the positions or as far as where they're going to end up it doesn't impact the raiders Root for whoever you want. I guess this is our way of just telling you that, look, you can get caught up in one thing or another, and whatever that is that you get caught up in, that, that that's fine. But, you know, we've heard from some people that, well, I don't want the Patriots to win so many that we can't catch them. Well, it doesn't matter if they – there you go. It just doesn't matter because we got to catch the Steelers still too. The Steelers already have six, so it doesn't matter it if doesn't the Patriots matter. get six because we're still going to be three behind of who it is regardless of yeah. what it is. And if it's the Rams – and, and Again, we want to be the only team that represents uh, Southern California and Los Angeles with a Super Bowl trophy. So, look, don't get too caught up in when you when you hear those discussions today. Look, ultimately, in the way that it impacts the Raiders, none of it matters, man. No. None you know, of it, you know, what's cool matters. I love that that Oakland Raiders won the Super Bowl in Oakland. Then a few years later, they win the Super Bowl in L.A. You know, they're the 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 true West Coast team. Okay, they they and and here's something that I, I just realized this morning when we were doing show prep. 
Do you know? Do you know, Murph? Sixty percent of the players that started on our on 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 that that team that won in Los Angeles also started in Oakland. In Oakland, yeah, sixty percent. That's crazy. And how many years difference was that? What four? Uh, yeah, four years. Yeah, four years. That's talk about retention. And and, well, what's, and what was the actual date? Let's see. Let, let, let me make sure we got it right because we got our we got nineteen eighty four, yeah, eighty one to eighty four. So 81 three years, eighty four. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Three. Now that now the year now listen and here's something else, Raider Nation too. Interesting point there, Mosh. And thank you for that. He's right that that uh, you know these players were the Oakland Raiders that then transferred over to Los Angeles. Uh, but something when we talk, talk in terms of years, because so, you'll hear us kind of go back and forth. We'll talk about 84. We'll talk about 81. We'll talk about even 77. You're like, well, wait a minute. The, the, the 76, 80, and 83 are the years. Yes, but the Super Bowl is always played in that month right, or right, two right. afterwards. So when you look at we look at the 83 Raiders as winning their championship, but they won it on January 22nd, 1984. So uh, sure. so, so so Mosh is right. So three years difference between those teams. So essentially, it was a four year difference and a three year difference between the the three yep. b- between yep. the between the trilogy when they when they came out, which oddly enough almost coincides with. Star Wars, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return yeah. of the Jedi, which is very interesting. Yeah, that. that's crazy. But you know, I, I just I love that when you look back, it was it was so even on those last two teams that that sixty percent of the offensive players and sixty percent of the defensive players. That is yeah, so cool. That is so cool. Is Six so cool. of the eleven. I, I, I'm rounding up to sixty percent. Six of the eleven starters. You know. And there's a bunch of those guys that were probably even still from seven. I know for sure the guys on the line, Shell and Upshaw, right, were still there uh, from from '76 from that season up through uh, uh, to, to '83. Well, but Shell didn't play in 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 '84. Oh, he I could, did. I could no. I just compared. I went with the with the two teams that had the most. Oh, okay, okay. And that was a, the. Well, I wonder what I'm saying is that how many went from all three. Oh, yeah. How no, many were in all three? It's. it's, it's like it's like it's so much smaller. It's like Cliff Branch, right? Uh, Sh- uh, Shell wasn't. Shell wasn't. Uh-uh. Upshaw was Nor- though, right? Uh-uh. Upshaw wasn't either. He didn't start. Now he might have been there. But oh, I'm but he about, didn't. You're talking, talking about, about starters. starters. Oh, I got you. I got you. I got I'm talking you. I got about you. starters. Okay. Yeah. So cool. that's cool, Mike. But it, it's cool. It's cool. So sixty percent of the start. So that's even more significant. That's figure. what I'm saying. Sixty percent of the starters. That started in both of those Super Bowl wow, games. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, 60% cool. on offense and 60% See, on defense. See, that's the kind of stuff. Now, take that to a freaking Super Bowl party and don't tell your Raider friends that. That's yeah. good stuff. That's stuff that, that, that people aren't talking about. All right, so um, so one last thing in terms of the, um, the current kind of spectrum of the game. Here's something fun, Raider Nation. Check this out. Since 2001, since we got robbed, we really did get robbed really in, in the tuck rule, and, and Tom Brady went and uh, appeared at and won his first Super Bowl. When you look at the, the teams and the quarterbacks that have played in the Super Bowl since 2001, since that game until now, listen to this list. Brady, Gannon, our guy. <laughs> Brady, Brady, Roethlisberger, Manning, Brady, Roethlisberger, Manning, Roethlisberger, Brady, Flacco, Manning, Brady, Manning, Brady, Brady, Brady. 
<laughs> so let me do that for you one more time. Brady Gannon, Brady Brady, Roethlisberger, Manning Brady, Roethlisberger, Manning Roethlisberger, Brady Flacco Manning, Brady Manning, Brady Brady Brady. Did you hear the one of these things is not like the other? Rich Gannon, who it feels like retired 150 know, years ago, right? is still one of the few quarterbacks that has represented the AFC in the Super Bowl besides friggin' Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Peyton Manning, and then there's there's two. So Flacco has has had his, and then and then Rich Gannon, man. So pretty interesting there. So despite it's and this is the thing. And this is what gets me, and you could tell this to anybody that wants to give you crap about being a Raider fan. You know, so Chiefs fan, Charger fan, Bronco fan, whoever. We've given you an awful lot of time to catch up to us. We've been (laughs) bad for a long time, and your teams still can't match what our teams do. So, yep. Or what our team has done. So anytime anybody wants to give you any crap about being a Raider fan and they say, oh, the Raiders suck. Yeah, based on what? Tell me how, why my team sucks when your team still can't do what my team has done. And my team's only been good a couple of times since 1983. Oh, drives me nuts, Mosh. People have no idea what they're talking about. The Raiders, ah, the Raiders are still as relevant as ever in this discussion. And this is why we wanted to, to do this show today. All right, so let's talk a little bit about some of the Raiders' records in the Super Bowl. In terms of individual records, Mosh, it's, uh, it, there's a lot of them, but they're mostly all populated by one guy's name, all right? Ugh. I know, and we barely even acknowledge the fact that he was a Raider, and I'm talking about Jerry Rice. So when you look at the individual records in, in the Super Bowl, so most points scored, most touchdowns, most receiving touchdowns, touchdowns for two different teams, most receptions, most receiving yards, most yards gained, the answer to all those questions are Jerry Rice. Now, he wore silver and black when he did some of that, but we all know the majority of that came when he was a Niner. So we don't really claim those records, but just know that that Jerry Rice represents pretty much every significant receiving record in terms of, of, of the Super Bowl, and he did part of that uh, when he wore the silver and black. All right, so but here's some that, are, that we will fully embrace and we will fully own. So lowest percentage mosh of passes intercepted with a minimum of 40 attempts. There's only two guys on the list. You want to tell them who they are? Yep. Jim Plunkett and that other guy that played across the bay. And we don't need to go into great detail. He's named after a state. But, <laughs> you know, let's talk about Plunkett, though. 46 and 0. 46 and 0. So that means he, so 46 attempts and zero uh, interceptions in, in, in two games. Yeah. Pretty strong, pretty strong. Pretty so, strong, man. Yeah, so to be on there on the list with Joe Montana, that's um, that's great. That's pretty awesome. So uh, in terms of kind of a negative passing record, uh, our boy Rich Gannon, you know, he threw the five picks in Super Bowl 37. Yeah, that doesn't count, though. But well, doesn't count. We're not going to talk about but, that. And there's a lot of records that we're not going to cover because they're all negative, and they are, I'll acknowledge them. We, we're not going to pretend they don't exist. They're there, but I don't want to talk about them on our show because I don't like to talk about them. Um, it's it, so those five picks that Gannon threw. There are a lot of other records around that, you know, in terms of defense that are in favor of the Buccaneers. So we're going to leave that alone, but just know that that right. it's there and it, they exist. All right. Uh, so back to some good ones. Highest average yards per game, Mosh, 
with a minimum of 20 attempts. This guy averaged 9.6 yards a carry. In a Super Bowl. In a Super Bowl. Who's that? Marcus Allen. Absolutely. Jeez, oh, Pete. Yeah, Marcus Allen running with the night. You know, and of course, he had that 74-yard gallop, which we're going to play for you here in just a little bit. Uh, But that's where a lot of those yards came from. But still, to average that much uh, in a game is insane. Um, Here's a fun one. And this this might be my favorite Raiders individual record of, of them all. Yeah, Most interceptions in a career in the Super Bowl is Rod Martin of uh, linebacker for the Raiders in two games. In the two games that he played, uh, Super Bowl 15 and Super Bowl 17. But the kicker to that is that all three of those came in one game, Mosh, didn't they? Yep. Yep. That's Th- nuts. That's nuts. They all came against the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and Ron Jaworski in Super Bowl 15. Again, we're going to have some audio. Uh, coming up for you that, but Rod Martin, one of your all-time well, yeah, favorite yeah. guys. He started yeah. both those games I was telling you about. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There's yeah. another. There's one of the guys there. Okay, perfect. And so pretty cool there. Uh, so uh, most kickoff returns, most fair catches. We own those records, but that's because Tampa scored a whole bunch. Because we, we got cheated. We, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, so here's some team records uh, for the Raiders. So, and again, these are all modern-day records. This is up until, until today. Uh, these are active, current uh records that the Raiders still hold most points in the first quarter which was 14 has been done by seven teams uh the Raiders are one of them we scored 14 against the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl 15 and then the largest lead at the end of the first quarter uh was also 14 and there's three teams that have done that um uh, or, or excuse, yeah, yeah, three teams that have done right, that, right. and we are one of those. Uh, the other two are Miami and Green Bay, uh, but we are one with the fourteen nothing lead that we had at the end of the first quarter versus the Eagles. Fewest turnovers uh, in a Super Bowl. Two teams have had zero turnovers in the Super Bowl. Mosh, who are they? That's us and that team across the bay. That's it. It's us and the Niners, man. Yeah. So pretty cool, man. So and we did it, and we did it two times. No, we did it two yeah, we times. Did it two times. We did it two times. We didn't turn the ball over. Exactly. Because there's 20 teams that have not had turnovers, but we did it twice. We did it twice. Absolutely. Uh, scoring uh, in the second half, most points in the second half, uh, us and the Buccaneers. Uh, they had 28. We had 18. Most field goals in a game. This is the only record left from Super Bowl II that we really? are a part of. Yep. Uh, most field goals in a game was four. And so that is that is us and, uh, and of course, the, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, fewest rushing touchdowns in a game. Uh, that is us. We didn't have any, which is a, a zero in, in Super Bowl 15. Fewest times sacked. Very interesting. Only one sack in Super Bowl 15. Wow. And uh, and just four other teams with that. All right. Uh, last one I'm going to touch on, and we know and understand there is a much bigger conversation as part of this record. Um, so the last record we're going to talk about is the coaching record. And coming on the heels of Tom Flores and his denied the entry into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Mosh and I are going to talk a lot about that on the regular episode of, of Raiders Fan Radio coming up this Wednesday. So we'll, we'll address all that, and, and you know it's been a hot topic on our show already, so we'll address it fairly uh, then. But for right now, in terms of the Super Bowl, here's one of the things that carried Tom Flores' weight to be being considered as a right, finalist. Right, right. And that is the fact that there are only four coaches or four people that have coached uh, the Super Bowl and won and played in the Super Bowl uh and that in one and that is Tom Flores uh and um Mike Ditka 
Tony Dungy, and Doug Peterson as most recently as last year. So only four guys in the history of the league have ever won and then uh, as a player and then as a coach in the Super Bowl there, Mosh. So unfortunately, Flores won his with the Chiefs right, when right, he was part right. of the Chiefs as a player in Super Bowl IV. Um, so it wasn't with the Raiders. So there's another tidbit for you Raider Nation is that even though he is one of the guys to do it he didn't win it as a Raider and then win it as a Raider coach he won it as a chief as a player and then won the the Super Bowl of course twice as the uh, as the Raiders coach all right so good stuff there so uh all right Mosh let's uh let's hit the you want to hit the chat one time you want to you want to acknowledge some of the people in the chat give me a me a so let's break give here. you an update so Carl Rogers in there Raiders voice uh Joseph Morales uh, Ron, of course, is in there. Alex Rodriguez. Uh, my gosh. Q-Dog was in there. I saw that. D-Man, 707-702. Herman Munster's there with us. We got a bunch of folks in there uh, talking about the chat's going a lot about where we're going to play, uh, when they're going to make the announcement. Of course, we talked about that last week. Um, probably coming up, but we're, we're speculating. We're hoping it's going to be Wednesday before we go on the air. But uh, it's hard to say. You never really know. Absolutely. You never really know. Absolutely. Good stuff there, Mosh. And appreciate everybody joining us uh, in the chat, as always. And you can always find us on YouTube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave if you want to be a part of that. An awesome community of, uh, of Raiders fans there. All right, Mosh. So the kind of the quick tale of the tape. Uh, as we know, the Raiders won three and lost two. Uh, so of the three that we won, uh, so uh, Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl uh, number 11. Uh, January 9th, 1977. 1977, your MVP uh, was Fred Bolitnikoff. Sticky Fred, back in the day. Sticky Fred. Back in the day. Back in the day. And we have um, a lot of audio to get to uh, on this game, kind of detailing the importance, the significance of this for the Raiders. Um, you know, the Raiders had, uh, you know, th this this year they were, I want to say they were 13-1 and one that year. Uh, and and they, they beat the Patriots in the divisional uh, round and then finally got past the Steelers, which was, you know, we were in the AFC Championship game like five years straight and uh, and then finally got over that 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 hump of beating the Steelers and then on one, of course, to, to beat the, uh, the the Vikings in the game, 32-14. Uh, to 14. But let's go ahead and start off. Let's let's hear from Harry Callis. And uh, this comes from the NFL 76 yearbook. And this is basically him kind of giving you a rundown of what it was like for the Raiders from the time they beat the Steelers in the AFC Championship up through the victory against Minnesota. Uh I have that. I just played it. Oh, it's because I have it turned all the way down. So let's turn it up. Now would be decided in a gargantuan struggle taking shape in Oakland, California. But the long-awaited rematch was a lopsided affair. Oakland took an early lead, and with Franco Harris sidelined by injury... Terry Bradshaw was forced to play catch-up against unbeatable odds. After nine years of disappointment, this time Oakland won the AFC title going away. On to Pasadena and Super Bowl XI. The Minnesota Vikings gave it their best shot, but with New England and Pittsburgh behind them, the Raiders were home free. Oakland dominated all facets of play, giving NFL 76 
a Super Bowl masterpiece that was nine long years in the making. And so, where 28 teams had set out in pursuit of Super Bowl silver, only one had returned with a prize. In 1977, the rest will challenge Oakland's reign. But NFL 76 belonged to the Raiders. All right, Mosh. NFL 76 belongs to the to the Oakland Raiders. And, you know, there was a lot of buildup to this game, as I mentioned. You know, they were started to become the team that couldn't win the big one. And obviously that did not sell, sit well with Madden. That did not sit well with the players. And they knew that they had to uh, take control of their, their destiny and what their legacy was going to be in the NFL. And they knew they had to get past the stinking Steelers to do it. And uh-huh. so here's, let's see, it's here a little bit from the guys. So you're going to hear an all these clips just know the you already know the names i hope it's stabler it's casper it's george atkinson it's phil villapiano it's john madden it's uh you're gonna hear tatum in some in a little bit uh you're just gonna hear all those guys so you just you know who the raiders of the 70s are and so uh, uh hopefully those voices are familiar to you we went to five consecutive afc championship games and we were starting to wear a tag of a very good football team that couldn't win the big one maybe we weren't in every super bowl maybe we didn't win every championship game but we were always there. So the camaraderie that day was special because we had been in so many playoffs and championships together and played so many games together. This was the one that we really wanted. And it was a huge relief, a huge, I don't know, a feeling of accomplishment, self-satisfaction. You get that monkey off your back for not being able to win the big one. And you get to go and play in the biggest game, the biggest game of your life. We were hungry for a Super Bowl win. We were not just satisfied with getting there. Our whole objective was to win the Super Bowl. We were very confident that uh, today was going to be our day. It was the closest to being overconfident that I ever was in my life. I said, we're going to kill these guys. I remember Tom Floyd said, no, 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 don't say that, don't say that. John was right. We thought we could win, and we did win. But uh, they weren't easy. It was just that, you know, what we could do and what we did, I didn't see how they were going to stop us. All right, pretty cool there. So you know, you don't hear Madden talk brashly like that about uh-uh, about th- that level of confidence. And so they they knew, you know, they knew they were going to win this game going in. It was like you know, the Super Bowl was the was the Raiders Steelers. That, that, yes, it was. Yes, all, yes. And I, and I want to diminish the Vikings. And and Al was kind of gracious there, but they knew that if they could take out the Steelers, one of the greatest teams of all time, right, right, the freaking Vikings weren't going to pose as much of a, uh, as much of a threat. Do you remember? You were fourteen. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember this game? And I, and I remember because that was the uh, that was the beginning of the end between me and your father. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, uh, your dad. Uh, he bet on the Steelers a he few li- times. He liked, he liked you hear Pittsburgh. Me, you I, hear me talk about the Raiders, about my uncles being Raider influences on me. You hear me talk about my dad doing, yeah, doing well, it too much. I mean, your dad loved the Raiders. He, <laughs> he I did, mean, he, he, took, he went to games with you and everything else. He did. But he, but did. he, he, just, he really liked Pittsburgh, man. And, liked- and, and it was because he was a pragmatic guy, you know? He was like, man, he'd look at it, and he, and he, and he where, where all of us were betting with our hearts. 
He's like, well, that's yeah, why but they're, but they're, you know, that was just, but that was the kind of guy that he was. And that was the thing is that he, he my dad, I don't want to get a total tangent here, but my dad would bet a lot. Right. And he would bet. And that's why, because he would bet the Steelers to win. That's what, that's where that came sure, from. Sure. You know what I mean? Is that he, you're right. He would do it for, <laughs> there was a monetary motivation there. Exactly. There wasn't, it wasn't a fan. No, so, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, but that's was, that's fun. Uh, yeah, I remember it. I remember it a lot. Now th- again, this was way before jerseys. The only person to ever have a jersey in all of us that got together every single Sunday was your uncle Murph, yeah. his brother. Your, yeah, 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 your dad's little brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My he dad's was the only little, one that yeah. had a Raiders jersey. Yeah, my dad's little brother, my uncle Murph, the guy that I pulled the name for. I actually in Mosh uh, said you need to be Murph. I'm yeah. like, yeah, but there's already an uncle Murph. And he's yeah, like, but he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, but he was the biggest Raider fan in the world. You need to yeah. honor him by having him be your name. Sure. So that's why my name is Murph. But anyways, so uh, all right, so cool stuff there. So let's listen to. So the Raiders go and they they march into Pasadena and uh, the let's go to the I mean t- the legendary. You're gonna hear a lot of legendary. Uh, during this show and none better than uh, the Raiders longtime announcer also announcer for the A's and the Warriors and that is the uh, uh, the Hall of Famer Bill King from the Rose Bowl Stadium in Pasadena California it is Super Bowl 11 this is Bill King with a welcome everything in the United States everything really in a sports sense in the world is zeroed in focused today here in the canyon at Arroyo Seco this 11th Super Bowl will be viewed in 41 nations around the world all right so there's Bill King and you know only second to Bill King is only second and well maybe not even say I don't know it's like one in one a for all-time greatest yep, yep, voiceovers yep. and uh, of course the second one uh, on that list is is the legendary of uh, announcer for NFL films and that is John Facenda and let's hear him intro Super Bowl 11. Super Bowl XI offered a classic conflict. Pro football's two most successful teams in a final struggle for the most treasured victory in the game. Neither the Raiders nor the Vikings had ever won a Super Bowl. But over the last ten years, they have been the most consistent winners in the National Football League. The Raiders, a team built by Al Davis and coached by John Madden, have won divisional titles in nine of the last ten years. The Vikings, coached by Bud Grant, have played in more Super Bowls than any team in history. So, you know, here's what I, what, as I, like, my takeaway from that, not a big cough, but my takeaway from that (laughs) is, I, I think, I think the Super Bowl for, for us this year, now, since you've been here since 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 '98, since you've been in Tennessee with me since '98, this might be the first Super Bowl we're planning on not watching together. Yeah, I've watched more Super Bowls with you than I have anybody else yeah. in my whole life. And, yeah, and yeah. and we're we're like, oh yeah, you know, we're gonna celebrate the Super Bowl by getting together and do a, a radio yeah, show. This is the, our Super Bowl celebration. This right is our now. Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we're gonna like, you know, we'll be texting each other or whatever later on. But it's like, man. Uh, you know, he was talking about, oh, in 41 countries, they're going to be, you know, the biggest blah, 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 blah. I'm not getting the hype. I don't know if I don't know if it's a culture shift, but I don't remember it being this way last year. Even though we didn't have a dog in the hunt last year, we still got a little bit hyped about the Super yeah. Bowl. I'm just, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing the hype 
the way it could be. Maybe it's it's because it's the same old stuff with Brady. Maybe because the way that that New Orleans got put out, people are pissed. Maybe there's you know I don't know. I don't know. I just don't. I yeah. just don't see Super Bowl huh. Sunday as being the hype the way that it used to be. And I think it might be because of the two teams that are in. Interesting. And, yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So well, you know, uh, I I don't I don't know I don't know I've been so I've been so uh, uh, wrapped up in all this Raiders stuff, Absol- man. I've been knee could, deep, and, and maybe it's just you and I have blinders. Yeah, on. Maybe it could we got be. Yeah. Silver and black blinders on, and that's why. Absolutely, I've been you know we've been uh, we've been putting this show together for for quite a while, and and uh, yeah, just being knee deep in all the Raiders stuff. I I mean I watched every uh, stinking video and and uh, and DVD I could get my hands on to try sure. to come up with uh, with with uh, with the the content for this, and yeah, and so I've, I'm kind of. I mean, I paid attention to some of it, but I'm other than that, Mosh, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of oblivious to the other uh, hype surrounding it, and really, and because of the lack of interest, I don't have any reason to like chase it either. You know, so and it is I'm a Super you. Bowl. I will watch it. Oh, of you know, course, it's football, of course, but it's, yeah, it's not going to, you know, of course. So, uh, so getting back to Super Bowl eleven. So, you know, the really the the story of the Super Bowl for the Raiders in this game was was the marvelous play of Fred Bolitnikoff and Kenny Stabler offensively, and then defensively, it was all about the Soul Patrol. It was all about the linebackers. It was all about the those guys, the four and four, the back eight of this team that just absolutely dominated the day and uh, took Fran Tarkington and Sammy White and all those guys pretty much out of the game. The Raiders' rush, though formidable, posed no unusual problem for Tarkington. The real dangers lurked in the secondary. Back to pass goes Tarkington. He's going down the middle. White makes the catch. He is clean, but holds on to the football, losing the helmet. Chin strap flying one way, helmet the other. <laughs> Holy Toledo. With four linebackers and four defensive backs, the Raiders surrounded and terrorized Talkington's receivers. Oakland eliminated Talkington's targets, narrowed his field to fire and finally proved the undoing of everything he had hoped to accomplish. Okay, so who? what would you give to have this starting defense? Matuzak, Rowe, Sistrunk, Villapiano, Monty Johnson, Willie Hall, Ten Hendricks, Skip Thomas, Willie Brown, George Atkinson, and Jack Taylor. Oh, my gosh. That gives me chills. I mean, look, are you serious? I- I just that just are gave you, me chills. Are man. you serious? That's bananas. Against I mean I and I know those I already know that and you're just saying it just like against Tarkington and crazy. Ahmad Rashad. Yeah, Sammy White. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. Are you kidding me? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You know, and it's and this is a this is why people get so wound up about the Raiders of the 70s not carrying more relevance in terms of like the hall of fame and in terms of the greatness Uh, is that look, they had to play some of the, you look at the greatest teams of all time. So many of them were the undefeated dolphins, the the Steelers. You look at, you know, even like the Colts, like you look at the teams that the Raiders had to compete with back then. It's sad that the Raiders relevance and the, the, the amount of amazing players they had gets undersung, frankly, a lot of times, you know, Uh. it's just, it's insane. So one of those guys, Omash, right here, you know, the legendary Willie Brown, number twenty-four. You know, 
they they gave Francis a fit all day long, right, right, chasing right. him around back there, forcing him into stupid passes. And the one that clinched the game for the Raiders, uh, the, the the play that clinched the game for the Raiders was, uh, was 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 Fran Tarkington's interception, picked off by Willie Brown, returned for a touchdown. Still to this day, one of the most iconic plays in not only Raider history but in Super Bowl history. There's another little quick flip. Look out. There, there he is. goes. Goodbye. Randolph, Willie Brown on Goodbye, his way. Goodbye, Willie Brown. The veteran. <laughs> he waited for that one. 14 oh, years oh, Willie's waited. And go. he scored a Super Bowl touchdown. Uh, Look at the Raiders come uh, on the field. The whole squad is going over there. Now well, they love Willie. He's been there for a long time. Look at him mobbing. You're right. He set back. They were waiting for that little uh, dink out to the outside, trying to look at that guy. Willie Brown. He's a defensive captain, all pro many times. He has been better this year than he's been the last two or three years. And uh, 14 years, watch him grab this one. Well, it was it was almost picked off by Hendricks before he got out to Brown. He was trying to hit Semi White on a little quick square out. There's nothing to it. No foot race there. There's Fran made a little move after him. Willie Brown. Has scored a 75-yard touchdown, but Grant doesn't change much his pressure. <laughs> Go ahead. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Ted Hendricks almost intercepted that, right? Yeah. Okay, if he didn't have nine pounds of tape on his hands <laughs> that he was using as a club. If he could lift them up above his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And don't you love drunk-ass dandy Don yeah, singing yeah, like yeah. that? Turn up the lights. The party's over. That, and I like what he said about Francis. Oh, Fran Turkington makes a little step towards him. Nah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So, uh, so an amazing play there, and that was the live call on the on the television broadcast. But the best, of course, is Bill King calling it for uh, Raiders Radio. Lineup now, and he looks and throws. Intercepted by the Oakland Raiders. Willie Brown at the 30, 40, 50. He's going all the way. Old man Willie, touchdown Raiders. Ah, oh, that's the best. That gives me chills too, man. Old man Willie, touchdown Raiders. It. It's the best. So, was this mosh the greatest interception ever? Uh, I think yes, because but I'm a little bit biased, right? Uh, I'm gonna assume that you would you would agree, and so would uh, everybody in the chat. Uh, but let's leave it to the uh, the NFL Network to debate it. They put it in their top five of greatest of all time, and here's what they had to say. Old man Willie, and I think of a legend who'd already been in the NFL for 13 years, getting that signature moment makes him an immortal. He was a quick out to Sammy White. The ball was thrown too far to the inside. My guess is if he was here explaining it, he would tell you that he read the quarterback's drop and he knew what the throw was going to be. This is how old man Willie explains it. He says, hey, um, I know what they're running here. Uh, kind of cover me. The the fact that he's like, yeah, okay, I, I got this. So just, I don't know, look at cover my guy in case he gets loose. I'm just going to go pick this off and win the Super Bowl, basically. <laughs> it's cool theater. Even cooler was the slow-motion shot by NFL film cinematographer Ernie Ernst. The shot's so iconic. It's NFL films. Absolutely the slowest slow motion you've ever seen in your life. And the emotion in his eyes and in his face watching it on NFL films was one of the greatest things I'll ever remember in NFL history. After a decade of near misses, Brown's pick clinched the Raiders' first Super Bowl win. That pick, I used to like to say, take your tape off. It was time to take your tape off after that pick. <laughs> you have the call of that game. Dandy Don Meredith 
Turn out the lights, the party's over. Hearing Don Meredith just trample over the call of the play-by-play guy was just so hysterical to me. He waited for that one. 15 years will he's waited. And he scored a Super Bowl touchdown. Look at the Raiders come on the field. The whole squad is going over there. And when he made that play, it was like so perfect that he got his reward. So that would be, in my opinion, the greatest interception ever. Pretty, wow. pretty good, Mosh. Yeah. Pretty good. Greatest interception ever. So you heard there, uh, of course, the legendary Phil Villapiano. Right up here over my other shoulder here. Uh, the legendary Phil Villapiano, number 41 linebacker for the Oakland Raiders, uh, talking about uh, that's time to take your tape off. Yep. I love that. Yep. that that's yep. a, a time to take your tape off. So uh, so Phil, in the footage of, of NFL Films uh, after that uh, play, Phil did. He took his tape off, and uh, he famously called his wife over uh, to the sideline uh, for a for a victory kiss, and then the celebration then ensued for the Raiders. And here's what that sounded like. Come here, give me a kiss. Come here. Get over. A Super Bowl victory for the Oakland Raiders. victory won not only for this season, but for seasons past. A victory that set a magnificent crown on the Oakland Raiders' unrivaled 14-year reign as football's winningest team. All right, football's winningest team, and of course, after the celebration, they, uh, they continued the celebration on the field, Mosh, by, uh, by picking up Famous uh, head coach of the Oakland Raiders. Future Hall of Fame coach. Yeah, future Hall of Fame coach John Madden. And uh, Madden was a big guy, Mosh. Yeah, bigger than me. Bigger than you. Madden was uh, three bills plus. He was three bills, yeah. And now he's a tall guy. He's, he's like 6'3", 6'4", yeah. something like that. So he's a tall guy. But he, he's a big, big man. So uh, I, I know it's definitely Matuzak, and I'm trying to remember who the other players were that that that, that picked him up. But anyways, they, they, they picked Madden up, but they didn't. Keep him up, though, did they, Mark? Uh, not the whole way. <laughs> John Madden's grin is from ear to ear. He looks like a slick watermelon. That was the, the culmination of everything that he'd ever worked for. John, how's it feel? Great. Great. Waited a long time for You know, that was, that was the day. That was the biggest day of all of our lives. John Madden goes on the shoulders of his players. Then they scooped up Big John. There was a cameraman on the ground, and he was taking the shot up, and he didn't move. And my guys who were carrying me off didn't see him, and they tripped. It was like the building that wasn't built correctly. John started moving in one direction, and you ain't stopping 300 and some pounds. And it was like the London Bridge is falling down. You don't care. I mean, I don't care if I would have fell on my head. You're so happy that that erases anything else. I never thought like, oh man, that's terrible. I, they're carrying me off the field, we'll all fall down. Eh, don't even think about it. 
Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, is it the best, man? You don't, so you, cool. you don't care. They don't care. You don't care. That's the thing that I loved about Madden, about that whole spirit of that team, is that, you know, Madden famously said, don't worry about the horse being blind, just load the wagon. Yeah, like, absolutely. they just, you know, like you said, it doesn't matter what you do. Play like hell on Sunday, man. Like, yeah. that's all that yep. counts. Yep. That's all that counts. Play like hell on Sunday. And so he just doesn't didn't get caught up in the minutiae of things or the optics of things, to use a, a corporate term now. He didn't worry. that He didn't care if it looked silly. He didn't care no. if they looked if they were looked at as vagabonds and 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 roughnecks and misfits. He didn't. They didn't care. They didn't care. All they cared about was the score. Yep. That's it. You know, and I and also like I remember um, Al Davis famously saying that you know he didn't care about first downs. He cared about touchdowns. Like all this is what's the score at the end of the game. That's all. That's all that matters. You know, it's it's funny because uh, of course Al Davis and John Madden are both Hall of Famers, but on that team. Fred Bolitnikoff, Willie Brown, Dave Casper, Ray Guy, Ten Hendricks, Art Shell, Ken Stabler, and Gene Upshaw. Jeez. Unbelievable. On one team. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even on split them up. On one, on one team. They didn't even split those guys up. It's, it's crazy, Mosh. It's, uh. it's crazy. The, the amount of talent on the Raiders of the 70s is just insane. And it, and it continued. And it continued. And it continues Absolutely. for the next, uh, uh, how many years is that? A rough math, uh, eight years. So I, uh, just just a, a quick, uh, so out of the 70s into the 80s, okay. uh, we brought with us, of course, on to, the, to, the, to the, the, the next time we went to the Super Bowl, in that next game, starting for us, Cliff Branch, Art Shell, Gene Upshaw, Dave Dalby, and then on defense, Twos and Hendricks, um, but a couple things, just a couple little trivia things okay. about that game. This was the first and only time that the national anthem, which again, you know, that's that's relevant now. Oh yeah, yeah. Was the only time the national anthem was not sung before the Super Bowl. Really? Yep. They sung "America the Beautiful." Wow. Okay. okay. Uh, All Vicky right. Carr sang it, and uh, you know, and, and that's really cool. And then. Uh, uh, just a, a, a weird testament to how things have changed. The Super Bowl halftime show that year uh, was produced by Disney. and <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it was based on Disney's It's a Small World. Oh, my gosh. That Can would be food today. Oh, my God. People would say, you know. A, I don't know. It might be better than Maroon 5. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, real quick. I thought it was so funny. I saw somebody the other day on, on Twitter. They're like, Maroon 5. Is that like the Jackson 5? So is it like Tito Maroon, Michael Maroon, <laughs> Jermaine Maroon, like the Maroon 5? <laughs> like, that's pretty funny. Oh, uh, that is so funny. Uh, so, uh, all right, Mosh, let, let, one last thing before we move on from Super Bowl eleven, let's uh, go to the players one last time as they reflect back on the importance and significance of that win. The elation is, you know, we're champions of the world, and it, you know, I get goosebumps when I think it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, I don't care what the heck you do. Just believe that that was a great step for John Madden. It brought him out into the sunshine, into the light as to who he was, that he was a great coach, not living in the shadow of Al Davis. John was great to play for, you know. John was like playing for your a big brother. He knew he had a bunch of free-spirited guys that were all pretty talented football players, but also fun-loving guys off the field, and the way he handled it was just the best. You know, you have that stigma, can't win the big one, always there, bridesmaids, never the bride. You know, I mean, all those things that, boom, one shot and they're all gone now. I mean, you can never say never anymore. 
Winning a championship is what you play in a sports club. You know, the greatest thing about that win is, is you have it for the rest of your life and they can never say you can't do it. It was a great feeling and something that, uh, something that you get to enjoy and relive and, and talk about the rest of your life. Everyone said we couldn't win the big one. And we just went back and uh, had the, uh, the intestinal fortitude to keep coming. And we broke through and we won. All right, so there was number one. So that was Super Bowl uh, eleven. Mosh, you got anything else 19, on eleven? It was oh, so. It was January 9th, nineteen seventy-seven. Last thing I got: cost of a thirty-second commercial. Okay, one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Oh my gosh, isn't that crazy? One hundred twenty-five. How many people that were, would would view that? Did, it was, is it on uh, there? They had a seventy-three market share and a Nielsen rating of forty-four point four. So forty-four so million. Is they're that saying sixty-two million viewers? Sixty-two million viewers for a hundred k. I think it was yeah, sixty-two. Uh, oh my god, we can. Yeah, we, either way, we could have almost afforded that <laughs> for Raiders fan radio. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, good stuff there. Well, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that little trip down memory lane for Super Bowl number fifteen. Well, but we're not done. That's only part That's one. one. Part one, one of the trilogy. Uh, so part two of the trilogy, Mosh. Starts on uh, December 28th, uh, 1980. The Raiders uh, went through a handful of changes, but not wholesale changes. Of course, Madden retired and uh, and vacated the head coaching spot, replaced by uh, famously by Tom Flores. Uh, Kenny Stabler had moved on and, and, and joined the uh, the Houston Oilers. Uh, there were some some definitely some significant moves. Um, the Phil Villapiano went to Buffalo. Uh, definitely some players had moved around, but the a lot of the core of the team was there, and of course Al Davis was is still there. And so the mystique remains. Everything about the Raiders uh, in terms of their approach uh, certainly didn't change uh, one bit, and and really. They took the core components of that 70s defense, and if you can believe, they actually built on it. And, and so that, uh, that, that team uh, added some, some phenomenal players, you know, Rod Martin and, and whatnot, who we've already brought up earlier. Uh, but here's a fun story about this, this, uh, this march to Super Bowl uh, 15. Uh, so we play the Houston Oilers. And I say we because I was there as, as a fan as part of it. Uh, so we play the Houston Oilers in the wild card game, January 28th, or excuse me, uh, December 28th, 1980. So let me paint the picture for you going back then. So in 78 and 79, the Steelers won back-to-back championships, okay? And they went to the Super Bowl by beating an AFC championship game the Houston Oilers. They beat them twice. So uh, so back to back years, okay? Head coach of the Houston Oilers back then was Bum Phillips. Bum Phillips, right after losing to Pittsburgh the second time in his post game interview, sure. had this to say One year ago, we knocked on the door. This year, we beat on the door. Next year, we're going to kick the son of a in. <laughs> All right, so so, uh, so pretty cool there. We got something going on in the chat there. I got a guy that we need to get rid of there, Mosh. Uh, hang on, I'm going to derail the show here for just a second. Okay. Uh, 
let me let me get so let me go i'll please. go ahead you take care of that yeah. i'll talk about this all right so one of the things that that was pretty cool we brought okay so the next time we played in the super bowl january 25th 1981 of course, our offense was led by Jim Plunkett, Jim Plunkett from San Jose, California, who actually played at James Lick High School. And, you know, we were, he went to Stanford and he had a, you know, pretty good career. And, and we were really excited about him being a Raider. But look at some of the weapons that he had on the offense Cliff Branch, Art Shell. Gene Upshaw, Dave Dalby, and Mark Van Egan. Okay, so it wasn't like he was starting with nothing. Those are just the guys who played in, in the last Super Bowl that we won. So, you know, it uh, it, it, it was kind of nice to have that, to, that, he could, that he could start with some good stuff, you know? It, it, it wasn't yeah, like he absolutely. was starting from scratch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate you uh, jumping in there and doing that. And, and thank you all there in, in the chat. Sorry about that. We had somebody. We had our first, like, major league, like, troll getting all racist and stuff in there. That was Oh, weird. no, no. I didn't see it. Yes. Yeah, so we, had, we, had, we had to get rid of that. I'm, uh, and, Ron, uh, I made you a moderator. So if somebody else pipes up like that, then then please uh, feel free to do whatever you need to do there. I, we, I totally we, missed We it, trust dude. you to, to do the right thing there for us, Ron. So sorry about that, guys. Um, okay. All right, so uh, so thank you, Mosh. In terms of the, the players that carried over, so I mentioned how uh, how the the Raiders uh, played those Oilers as as fresh off of Bum Phillips saying that they were knocked on the door one year, they beat on the door the next year, and then the third year they were going to kick the SOB in. Well, my f- uncle Murph famously said because they played <laughs> the Raiders and not the Steelers, I guess they kicked in the wrong effing door. <laughs> so yes they did they kicked in the wrong door and the raiders beat those oilers 27 to 7 uh there in the uh in 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 the wild card round so we were the first team to ever make a run and win the super bowl uh, that year as a wild card and uh, uh, so we, we beat the Oilers, then beat the Browns. That's the famous Cardiac Kids game, the famous Red Right 88 game. And then we go on to, uh, to, to face the Eagles in the playoffs. So let's go ahead and check back in with Harry Callis and NFL Films and hear what that season was like from the AFC Championship game on. All right, we got what we wanted. We got what we wanted. We want to kick off, get him inside the 20 defense. Our first shot out of the barrel. This is where we set the tempo. From San Diego's Jack Murphy Stadium, it's the American Football Conference championship game between the Oakland Raiders and the San Diego Chargers. The winner to advance to New Orleans in Super Bowl 15 in two weeks. San Diego showed why they had reigned as the NFL's Masters of the Air. But the Raiders' mastery on this Sunday ended that reign. A 34-27 defeat sent the San Diego Chargers' vision of a Super Bowl plummeting to earth. They could only watch those glowing hopes dwindle away as now the darkness closes over San Diego Jack Murphy Stadium. Darkness that symbolizes the end of the Charger dream. For the Raiders, the dream lived on. The jubilation begins. The Raiders are bound for the Super Bowl for the third time, climaxing one of the great stories in football in recent years, the total resurgence of the silver and black. New Orleans, here come the Raiders. 
right. So awesome stuff there. So, uh, so first off, yes. Yeah, so the Raiders then uh, are getting ready to march into New Orleans, and uh, and we're going to have an even longer version of of uh, of what that that Super Bowl eighty looks like. And thank you to Ron. Appreciate you handling business in there. And uh, yes, you are now the Mater Raider. That is amazing. For those of you that are listening on the podcast, I may even just cut this part of the podcast because yeah. it won't be relevant to anybody listening to the audio version. You rock, dude. That is so dang funny, man. That's the best. That's the best. The Mater Raider, Mosh. Yeah. yeah, I love it. That's hilarious. That's too cool. Too funny. All right, Mosh. So let's go ahead. Let's go check in with uh, now. We'll check in with the NFL 80 portion. Sorry, I'm, I got I got a little forklep there. I got a little uh, off my game there. Uh, but now now we'll, we'll be good to go. So let's pick it back up and let's listen to the uh, the Super Bowl and NFL 80. January the 25th, 1981. Super Bowl 15. And a dream come true for both the Philadelphia Eagles and the Oakland Raiders. Super Sunday, what a day. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's like a dream come true. It's unbelievable. Yes, and we're going to win. We are going to win, no question. However, the dream soon faded for Dick Vermeil's Eagles. All right, double. Double base pass 46-47. Check with me. The first of a Super Bowl record three interceptions by linebacker Rod Martin set the stage for the NFL Comeback Player of the Year, Jim Plunkett, who orchestrated a brilliant Oakland offensive performance. Tom Flory's Raiders did not hammer the Eagles into submission. They did it with finesse and flair. This was the same style that brought the Raiders to this Super Sunday, and Philadelphia could do nothing to prevent it. Philadelphia's defense may be a little frustrated. Maybe trying to shift to another gear that isn't there. <laughs> the Raiders seemed innovative, while the Eagles appeared predictable. The inevitable result was a classic mismatch. All phases of the Oakland attack were programmed to deliver the killing blow. Oakland demonstrated that it is not solely a team skill, but also its poise that decides the outcome in championship games. Oakland's 27-10 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles was a storybook ending for a remarkable football season and a fitting conclusion to a thrilling year, NFL 80. Wow. 
good stuff. That's Harry so Callis, cool, man. Isn't that legit? Yeah, and he did a good job. Harry Callis did a great job, man. Ab, taking over for, uh, well, not taking over for John Facenda, but for doing that in place of John Facenda yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, uh, We're going to talk a lot about John here uh, in, in a minute, but uh, for those of you that don't know, John Facenda, legendary voice of NFL films, his last ever NFL films was the Raiders Black Sunday, right, which right. is coming up here uh, in the next Super Bowl that we talk about. So but. you know what's really cool about this one? What's that? Our own Watts Raider. Okay. Was born on this day. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. happy January birthday. January 25th, 1981. Oh, that is so cool, that man. Is so amazing. That is yeah, very I mean, cool. The man was born. Oh, on the actual day, you, day the and year. day and the year. Oh, that this, is super this, cool. Yeah. How awesome is that? That is very cool. Well, happy birthday, Watts Raider. That is so, very cool. Some other little, you know, trivia stuff. Yeah, give about us some fun stuff. So, so, we all know Jim Plunkett, of course, earned MVP that year. Uh, for for you know he got MVP honors for the Super Bowl. I mean that was crazy. He was the second Heisman Trophy winner to be named Super Bowl nice. MVP behind Roger Staubach. You know you know it's okay that he was a Cowboy. There's taking nothing away from Roger Staubach. You know had that illustrious career with Navy. You know and yeah, then went yeah. on to you know to play for the Cowboys. But the 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 coolest thing about this, the Raiders became the first team in NFL history. To get to the Super Bowl championship by going the wild card route. By going the wild card route, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the the wild card seating was different back then than yep. it used to be. Because back then there was only three divisions. So then the two wild card teams played each other. So the right, Raiders right, were right. a fifth seed and had to play the other wild card team, which was the Houston Oilers. So that was pretty interesting the way that it all kind of unfolded for the Raiders right. in, in that season. So good stuff there. Yeah, yeah, and my guy Rod Martin got his third interception. You know, there's three interceptions. So, oh, I mean, sure. there was yeah. just, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. there was just some great stuff. Great stuff. So, leading into the game, Mosh, um, you know, this was, I think this was also one of the first times, I don't know if it's there in our list or not, but this was one of the first times that, that teams had replayed a regular season matchup and the Raiders lost in the regular season. Right, we, right, we right. Played the Eagles in the regular season lost and now and then and and then we beat them well knowing that they played each other earlier earlier in the year there is some amazing sound bites that came out of their first matchup you probably don't remember but there was early on when you first started joining me on the show full-time i was making reference to some sound bites that john matuzak had in an interview about the way people smelled Do yes you remember that yes, and yes, i yes, could not yes, find yes. it in going through all this footage of these DVDs and stuff that I bought, right. I freaking found it. No because way. What, yeah, because he's talking about <laughs> it's this. So, this it is, was a joke, kind of a thing, right? He was he total was, joke. He was slamming somebody for smelling like English leather or something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what this is is that this is before the Super Bowl, but after. So this is like leading up, like Super Bowl week, leading up to the game, and they were asking him about what he thought about the the fact that he's going to be in a rematch against the Eagles. Right, okay? right, 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 right. So here's what he had to say. It was here in one of the season's most physical encounters. The initial battle lines were drawn for Super Bowl 15. Well, I learned that uh, from uh, uh, getting close to Jaworski and knocking him down a couple times that he wears uh, English leather. Jerry Sizemore wears Aramis. And the guy, Pete Perot, that second year guy from Southwest uh, Louisiana, he doesn't wear any cologne. 
He, he doesn't even use deodorant, I don't think. Super Bowl 15 featured the most striking contrast in opponents since Darth Vader first crossed lasers with Luke Skywalker. I love that. I mean, so not only you get twos in there cracking on the freaking linemen, but you get the the Star Wars reference that no a stranger matchup since uh, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Uh, so that's so. I think you read that. I think you read that I read, transcript. Yeah, but I don't think we actually heard it because we couldn't find it. We, now I'm so glad you got. Isn't that, that funny? I'd love to hear that just for Q Dog. I'd love to hear that on tailgating oh, too much. Oh, <laughs> that that okay, fair enough. That absolutely, that's one to hit with it for sure. Uh, I just I love he's just so chill. He's like yeah. he doesn't wear any cologne <laughs> <laughs> or any deodorant. Yeah, that's funny. So all right, so good stuff. So let's hear. Uh, let's go to the legendary John Facenda as he introduces us to Super Bowl Fifteen, January the twenty fifth, nineteen eighty one. America welcomes home 52 of its bravest amid the color and excitement of Super Bowl 50. Confident champions of the American Football Conference, the Oakland Raiders danced into this prestigious ball wearing glass slippers. If ever there was a Cinderella champion, it was these men in silver and black. Their quarterback, Jim Plunkett, had salvaged a wrecked career to become the NFL's comeback player of the year. And in only his second season, head coach Tom Flores directed a team with 14 new players through the wild card playoffs and into the Super Bowl. Shrewdly built by owner Al Davis, Oakland reflected the cool professional attitude of a team accustomed to meaningful games. All right, there we go. Good stuff. So good to hear John Facenda, of course, introduce us to the game and talk about the significance of it. And then, you know, so, of course, the game went on, and we won't give you a play-by-play breakdown of kind of everything, how everything it went. But, you know, the Raiders were clearly dominant on defense with Rod Martin with the three interceptions, uh, you know, which uh, we're going to get to that in a second. But pretty much as the game went on, you know, the, the the Eagles made a little bit of a push in the fourth quarter, but for the most part, man, this was this game was just straight up dominated by the Raiders and uh their and- little bit of a push was only one score. <laughs> okay. I know. They scored, I know. they scored one touchdown <laughs> in the fourth quarter. <laughs> but but having trailed with only scoring three points up to that point. Okay, so they made a little bit of a So push. it was what, 24 to 3? It was at that point it was 24 to 24 three. to 3. All yeah, right. So okay. pretty much we so just dominated was, okay. them all. Yeah. 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 Oh, you were being really nice. Just I was now. I was being really nice. <laughs> the fourth quarter, the legs of Wilbert Montgomery and the arm of Ron Jaworski retrieved some of Philadelphia's dignity. Let's go. But midnight had come and gone, and the Cinderella Raiders were still dancing. Let me say this real quick because you're going to hear this brought up thematically through these la- these last few clips. The name of this uh, of the NFL film story is the Cinderella Champions because they were the first wild card. So you know you know the 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 term Cinderella Champion. It's not a negative. No, it's it's the idea that. Um, they're kind of doing something more than what they should be and that the clock could strike midnight and it could all evaporate at any time. Hey, so quick question, yeah, why sure. we got that. Yeah. Did he write his own stuff? Facenda? Yeah. No, I believe it mostly was Steve and Ed Sable. No kidding. Yeah, because like Steve Sable's the one that wrote The Autumn Wind. Okay. So John Facenda narrates it, but no. St- in fact, I'm pretty sure Steve Sable was the... 
He was the genius behind the words, and then Facenda was the was the voice. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it great? It's oh. just so good listening to all this stuff. The Raiders right now are in a situation to close in very firmly on their second Super Bowl championship in four years. Jim Plunkett's performance in this Super Bowl ball was the stuff fairy tales are made of. See, that's, that's brilliant. Ten years of disappointment were behind him, for at last this Cinderella was healthy, poised and surrounded by men whose abilities equaled his own. Jim Plunkett's 261 yards and three touchdown passes earned him Super Bowl 15's Most Valuable Player Award. Another Chris Barfield goal concluded the scoring as Oakland ended Philadelphia's dreams of a world championship. Dick Vermeil must be feeling the sting of frustration right now. Anyone who ever said, one game cannot tarnish a great season, never lost a Super Bowl. Ooh. Boom. <laughs> Facenda don't hold stuff back. Too. That's the other thing about these guys on these NFL films, documentaries, man. They don't hold anything back. And if you fall short, they let you know. Uh, so really, so the big performance of this game, as we mentioned earlier when we talk about the records, it was Rod Martin with the three interceptions. And, uh, and so let's, let's check in with NFL films as we hear Rod get his third one. A lot of credit. They beat our butts. Yep. On the sure fluke. This tale was to have a storybook ending for the remarkable Raiders. A new Super Bowl record, achieved by perhaps the least known of all these Cinderella stars. Back is Jaworski, sets up really deep. Now comes up the middle, picked off. Rod Martin, the third time today! And Rod Martin once again slams the door in the face of the man they call Jaws, a sort of fitting symbol. Silver and black football is king of the hill in the National Football League. Crescendo of Raider fans beginning to rise. Oakland's victory created the sort of joyous reaction that comes with seeing something that suggests all things are possible. The Oakland Raiders. For 17 years, pro football's winningest organization were once again the world champions of professional football. All right, so once again, once again, we are the champions of pro football. And Uncle Mosh, real quick, before we get to the, uh, uh, I want you to uh, touch up on, on some of the significance of the win, but let's listen to, uh, to Coach Flores as he comments on how significant it was. And this is many, many years later. This is probably within the last five, ten years he did this interview. My most satisfying accomplishment in pro football was uh, my second year as head coach of the Raiders when as a wild card team we uh, won the Super Bowl. And uh, that was, in my opinion, the best accomplishment I, that I, had, I ever had as a player coach or, or whatever because of how we did it. We did it as a wild card, the tough way, playing in 39 below chill factor weather. I didn't have to play, but I had to coach. And, and uh, I had so many clothes on that day, I don't think I could have even moved. If I would fallen down, I probably, probably wouldn't have been able to get back up. <laughs> yeah. But we did win, and I look back on those, uh, those days and that day as uh, one, of the, one of the great ones. 
All right, Uncle Moshley looks back on it as one of the great ones. You got what you want to get another tidbit there about what was sure. so significant so, about this game? Well, I mean, it, it was it was amazing. It, it was a, a fantastic game. I remember where I was at when I watched it. Uh, I was in between wives at the time, but it doesn't <laughs> matter that. But, you know, the Nielsen rating was the same. The market share was a 63. But what what really jumps out is that was that was the start of the Super Bowl Super Bowl commercial push. Oh, and okay. That's what I, right. That was one of the things I remember. That that at that point in in eighty one, there, that's when people started really paying attention to the commercials. For instance, and I'll tell you why because because commercial slots went from one hundred twenty five thousand dollars just three years before to three hundred twenty five thousand dollars for a thirty second slot. So people started actually. I remember that paying attention. There was a little bit of water cooler talk. In addition to the oh, next okay, day, okay. the little bit of water cooler talk about, hey, you know, uh, the commercials were great. I was living in Donkey Town at the time, so, you know, a lot of people didn't want to talk to me anyway, <laughs> you know, but uh, they would talk to me about the commercials. Oh, okay. So, yeah, 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 that's my tip. That's cool. So, uh, in terms of, of uh, the, the team goes, so that was the first time that a team had represented the super uh, represented themselves in the in the game in three different decades. Right, so, right, yeah. So the Raiders, the other one, yeah. yeah. So the Raiders, uh, of course, in '67 against the Packers, and then uh, against the Vikings in 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 '77, uh, and then uh, and and then this one, and then in 1980. So becoming the first team uh, to do that. All right, Uncle Mosh, uh, let's let's listen to uh, this is the first. The, so for the first Super Bowl win, there wasn't really a post game interview. Uh, this was the first time that we get. Get a post-game interview, and of course, we get some of the legendary words of Al Davis. I do want to ask you, though, Mosh, to help help me set this up a little bit because I was too young to really remember it. One of the big things around this game was at the Superdome uh, where it was played. There was a big yellow ribbon around the Superdome because the hostages, there was United States hostages taken then and they were recently freed and so again i'm a little too young to remember so everything was, was, so set that up and then we're going to go to al davis and it he was, references it, a bunch of it, that i ran it with 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 the 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 shah being deposed and the ayatollah Khomeini taking over they had they had taken a a bunch of hostages of ours and hostages they had taken over our our consulate there and held our people for almost a year, and it was it was right until it was right after the inauguration of the new president when they were finally let go. I think it was 444 total days, but that's what launched Ted Koppel's career on Nightline. Because uh-huh. after the local news at 11 o'clock, he would come on every night and he would say, "Iran country or not Iran country, but Iran hostage crisis day." 102 day 103 when and he every single night and that after that ended that launched his career into uh what he okay. you know went on to cool. you know get but okay. but it was what everybody was talking about so that whole that yellow ribbon from that song uh tie a yellow ribbon around the right tree, right right you know that was i mean it, it was it, if you can remember you're old most of you are old enough to remember what what 912 was like the day after 9-11, right, right. With, with, you know, everybody being, you know, very patriotic, very American. Um, and, and 
kind of putting our, our politics aside and coming together as a, as a group. And that's what it was like for this Super Bowl. So that meant so much more okay. to everybody as well. You know, um, okay. we didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't know if we were going to go to war in Iran. I mean, it was everybody was very patriotic. Everybody was like, you know, pro us. And, you know, it, okay. I, I remember, I mean, there was some, there was some thought process, process about that. I went in the military in, in, in the late 70s, and uh, we had some folks from other nations in my basic training class. And, and I remember our DI saying there was a guy from the Middle East. He was Egyptian at the time. But our DI said, well, you know, eventually we're going to go over there and kick your ass and take your gas. You know, and I remember that. S.Q. Slavens was the guy's name, and I remember him saying that. You know, and it was a little foreshadowing, you know, but it it was the the Middle East. You know, and the Middle East has been in turmoil for, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years. But but that was was the culmination of it, and it it was just, you know, it was crazy. Okay, all right. Well, so so you're going to – I asked Moshin, thank you for that that awesome setup of all that because it's obviously a significant – uh, point in our in our country's I- history and and Al brings it all up so that's why I wanted to have Mosh kind of set the table for us so let's now go to uh, let's go to uh, uh, post game and, and hear from Al. Congratulations, congratulations, Al, outstanding. Commissioner Pete Rosell, I know you've got a presentation to do. Oh, Jesus, I wanted it. became, of course, the first wild card to win the Super Bowl. I think it's a tremendous compliment to the organization because you had to win four postseason games. Today, of course, was the big one, the Super Bowl. I think it's a great credit to you for putting this team together. I think that Tom Flores clearly did one of the great coaching jobs in recent years, all season and particularly today. And it's a credit to some marvelous, dedicated athletes, especially Jim Plunkett and that offensive line today. All right. You burned it. Congratulations. Al? Thanks very much. Uh, Al, you finally got the mic. Thanks very much, Commissioner. You know, when you look back at the years of glory of the Oakland Raiders, but this was our finest hour. This was the finest hour in the history of the Oakland Raiders. To Tom Flores, the coaches, and the great athletes, you were magnificent out there today. You really were. The years will go on. We owe a great tribute to all our alumni all over the country, the great fans. And we want to welcome back the hostages to the United States. And take pride and be proud. Your commitment to excellence and your will to win will endure forever. You were magnificent. Al, Al, congratulations. Is this one any sweeter than the one four years ago? Well, this has been the sweetest because it's our finest hour. And I'm just so proud of everyone here. Just a great staff. Just great coaching. I've got to ask you, can it be displayed as proudly in Oakland as Los Angeles? Oh, I don't want to get into that, Brian. Now, I don't think that anyone should ever take away from the great game and the great achievement of our players. Al, congratulations Thank again. Thank you very much. I wish Ed McGarwood here. He's coming down right now. He's my general partner and uh, just a super guy. And we're all so proud of this great trophy once again. Hi, Captain Gene. Thank you, Al. Commissioner. All right, so there's Al. So, of course, he, you know, 
one of one of his best uh, speeches there, and uh, I love the rousing uh, round of applause that that he gets uh, from the players and from everybody that's in the room. Uh, he welcomes the hostages back, and then he also mentions a name that you're going to hear a couple of times uh, tonight or this morning, and, and that is Ed McGaw. Now, and, I, and I've I've heard him, and I've heard those speeches a million times, and I've always heard him refer to Ed. He refers to Ed once in this speech is coming down. And then he refers to Ed again uh, after the 84 win. And after, because Ed had recently at that point passed away. So who Ed McGaw is, this is the kind of stuff I'm telling you, Raider Nation, you want to get in the weeds on stuff. We're going to arm you with some killer facts. Ed McGaw was one of the founding members of the Raiders. So back in 1960, when the Raiders were formed, Ed McGaw was a, uh, a commercial real estate developer in the Bay Area in Oakland, and he, along with Al Davis and a, and a handful of other partners, f- uh, were the ownership group of the Raiders. That's why Al referred to him as the general partner. So back then, it was known that Ed was a thirty-seven percent owner, and Art or Art and Al was thirty percent. Uh, when Ed passed away, a portion of that went over then to Al and Al became the managing general partner. If you think back to when Al was alive, they never referred to him as the owner of the Raiders, the president of the Raiders. He was always referred to as the managing general partner of the Raiders. Well, that's why, because of his relationship with this guy. Well, this guy's son ended up taking what was then left of his part of it. And Ed McGaugh Jr. then maintained ownership, still partial ownership of the team. And he, Mosh, was a baseball player. Yep. He yep. played for the Red Sox. He played. Uh, he was a Boston Red Sox player. Uh, he, it, it was amazing. He, uh, <laughs> he was, you know, he, he, was, he was old school. He, uh, he played. He got up to the majors at one point, got, got dropped back down. And and played. Uh, he only played in twenty four games in uh, before getting sent back down the minors. Uh, he never made it back up to the bigs, but he retired with a one fifty seven batting average in in only fifty one career at bats. But yeah, he he uh, moved to Oakland, where you know where they did a lot of land developing and, and general contracting in nineteen sixty, and it was his dad that uh, secured the American League football franchise for the city of Oakland. Isn't that crazy? crazy, man? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, so Ed McGaugh. So definitely a lot of, we owe a lot of the legacy of the Raiders from an ownership perspective. Of course, it's always tied to Al, but the McGaugh's, are a big portion of, of what goes on there. So when you hear Al say, Ed McGaugh, that's that's the guy that he's and talking about. that's why we as Raiders like to play on baseball fields. <laughs> that's right. You heard that's, right. that's what our affinity is go. with tackling somebody there on second base. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mosh, let's go. Let's, we got uh, one more to hit. Uh, the, 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 what am I trying to say? The anchor of the trilogy, the final chapter of the trilogy, of course, is uh, the Raiders' Super Bowl victory in Super Bowl uh, 18. Now, this is after the Raiders have then moved to Los Angeles. So this is the first championship for the city of Los Angeles. Or not, the Lakers won a bunch, but you guys know what I'm saying. In terms of football, uh, first championship for the, uh, the the city of Los Angeles. And so kind of the tail of the tape. man. So the Raiders... This wasn't a wild card. This wasn't a sneak in there. Oh, this wasn't a Cinderella story. This was 
a dominant performance. This was a dominant regular season performance uh, matched by three uh, dominant performances in the postseason. Uh, we played the Steelers uh, on January for New Year's Day, 1984, and whipped them 38 to 10. We then go and play the Seattle Seahawks and whip them 30 to 14, and then we go and whip the uh, Washington Redskins in the game, uh, 38 to nine. Uh, Marcus Allen is your MVP of the game, and look, this was again, this was not a um cinderella they shouldn't be there are they the best no they were the slam dunk best team in the regular season best team in the postseason and by far the best team in the super bowl so let's go ahead and and check in with uh with the raiders as tom flores tells them they're going to tampa the raiders destroyed the pittsburgh steelers 38 to 10 then struck 12 on the cinderella season of the seattle seahawks with a 30 to 14 pounding in the AFC Championship game. Only the Redskins block the championship chase of these mighty Ravens. You guys were magnificent. We played a great football game. We deserve to be the champs to represent this conference. We're going to Tampa, baby. We're going to Tampa. All right, we're going to Tampa. So this game was played at what Chris Berman used to refer to, refer to as the Big Sombrero. Yeah, right. right? That was the the, the the stadium there in in Tampa. And uh, you got any fun tidbits for us on that I before do. we jump into the game? So there's some great stuff. Like, okay, so probably, probably, uh, I'd say, arguably the best football name ever in the history of our sport. Bronco Nagurski. <laughs> I love that game. Bronco Nagurski Bronco did Nag- the coin toss. Uh, nice, nice. You know, that was amazing. Also, uh, you know, they they claim that because this is the this is the game where Apple did their first their oh, first television commercial introducing uh, the Macintosh uh-huh. computer, you know, and 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 they say that this is what ushered in the Super Bowl media advertising. I don't know. Uh you know, it was it, it was, was very significant, anyways. It right? was very yeah. significant, and it was only a few thousand dollars. It was three hundred sixty-four thousand dollars for thirty seconds. The last time that the Raiders played, it was you know three hundred forty-eight, uh, three hundred twenty-four thousand. So it wasn't that much more. You know, the economy hadn't. But what we have, what we have, what we have here is a failure to communicate. <laughs> what we have here. I mean, listen to our starting defense, okay? Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. This is our starting defense. And, and I went back and checked. We had seven of the 11 coming back from the last Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Game. All right. All right. Howie Long, Reggie Kinlaw, Lyle Alzado, Tend Hendricks, Matt Millen, Bob Nelson, Rod Martin, Lester Hayes, Mike Haynes, Mike Davis, and Van McElroy. Oh, my god. That's gosh. our starting defense. That's brutal. That is brutal. Isn't that Mark? crazy? Oh, and, awesome. You know, and not to mention Cliff Branch, Dave Dalby, Mickey Marvin, Henry Lawrence, Plunkett, and Kenny King, who all started and all started in the last Super Bowl. So we, out of twenty-two guys, we had fourteen. Wow! That had already had Super Bowl experience. Wow, that's, that's cool. Nuts. That is cool. That is super cool. And you know. Uh, you know those corners, man. It's Hayes and oh, Haynes. Oh come on! Like that's. I come mean, that's on. that's probably the best. I don't want to say the best secondary, but that's probably the best one-two punch at corner, maybe in the history of the league. I mean, I 
I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of, of of some other examples off the top of my head. I mean, maybe the Legion of Boom once once part of that discussion. I mean, when you talk about you know. Uh, who the, who the Steelers have? They have Mel Blount, who, who was on the other side. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but, um, but I mean, Hayes and Haynes, man, like that's, you've got literally Hall of Famers right there. And now, of course, Lester Hayes, a, another one, a glaring omission uh, from the Super Bowl. Uh, but, but Mike Haynes is in. And, uh, but those two guys, man, just, just absolute studs. So, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, this team was practically an all-star team. When you think about oh, yeah, Alzado yeah. and you think day, about yes. and Matt Millen and you think about 100%. the, you know, um, you know, this was, it was how he's rookie year. Oh, I always want to say, uh, I don't think it was, I think it was his second, second year because his rookie year was, was still in Oakland. So his second year. Um, so yeah, just, just an amazing amount of talent on this football team. All right, let's listen. I'm going to skip the NFL 83 in the interest of time, which is the one that kind of gives the whole overview. And that's only because there is so many great NFL films, tidbits that I want us to get to because this is, and I've had it playing. I'll flash over there right now. It's playing over Uncle Mosh's shoulder right now, and we've had it playing this entire episode. Oh, there you go. This is known as uh, as Black Sunday. This is the best NFL Films presentation you'll ever see as a Raider fan. It is John Facenda's swan song. It is his final installment as a member of NFL Films. And I'm going to play a lot of audio from it, but the audio does not do it justice when you watch it and you see the footage, you see the video, you see all of the stuff that's getting played on there, coupled with the music and the voiceovers and everything, it really draws an amazing picture, a very dramatic picture of the Raiders' victory. So uh, so listen to this stuff. I hope you do enjoy it. But do yourself a favor. Go back and watch it because it, it just it resonates that much more powerfully. Uh, but anyways, let's check in with the first one and let's hear Al Davis introduce us. Two years ago... When we came to Los Angeles, I really believed that the greatness of the Raiders would be in its future. With all the great, with all the great teams we've had, I think today that this organization, this team, this coaching staff dominated so decisively that two things must be said. Not only, in my opinion, are you the greatest Raider team of all time, I think you're ranked with the great teams of all time that have ever played any professional sport. Commitment to excellence, the motto of the Raiders. And once again, Coach Tom Flores fulfilled that commitment in a Super Bowl. The final score, Los Angeles 38, Washington Redskins 9. They have turned back the team that many just a few weeks ago were trying to rank with the greatest of all time. They have turned them back in the most shattering fashion imaginable. Oh my gosh, that music right there! Just even that alone, man. Like it reminds me of like Terminator, of like you know, just that that <laughs> dunk, 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 dunk. You know what I mean? It's it's so good, it's so good. So uh, just to clarify real quick, I, I I hate looking stuff up during the show because I like. You know, I, I try to know this stuff coming in. But anyways, Howie's rookie year was 1981. So uh, oh, so this would have okay. been his, his okay. third year. So just to clarify there. Uh, but yeah, some, some amazing work from John Facenda and NFL Films. And uh, after the intro, first, uh, the first thing he has to tell us about is the muscle and the mystique, Mosh, of the Oakland Raiders. Or, the no, NFL has had the Los Angeles Raiders. Oh. <laughs> I got to catch myself there. The NFL has had its great teams. They have come from Green Bay. Dallas, Miami, and Pittsburgh. 
but perhaps none has matched the muscle and mystique of the Raiders. All right, the muscle and mystique of the Raiders, Mosh. And, uh, you know, so many dramatic uh, terms and, and words and phrases used in this thing. And, uh, and it goes on and on through the whole thing. Uh, and and I've, I've just highlighted a few of my favorite ones. Go ahead. You got something? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Alex Rodriguez says, hey, don't forget to look at us, Murph and Mosh. Oh, okay. What's up, guys? Thank hey, fellas. How's there you go. Thank there. you for joining yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> so they caught me coming back after a quick break. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why the camera was shaking. I was running to my yeah. chair. <laughs> That's the first time I've seen you sprint in a while, Mosh. Oh, I don't sprint. No, <laughs> you don't sprint. Okay, let's, uh, let's check in with John as he talks about the true test of men. When history, the harshest of judges, comes to a decision on Al Davis's Raiders... It will look to Super Bowl 18 for guidance. Like all athletic contests, Super Bowl 18 was not only a game, but a true test of men. And right from the start, the Raiders proved they had the best men. From the start, the Raiders proved they had the best men. It's like I love the levels that they take this stuff. Like it's not even a football game anymore. Like we're defending our integrity as human beings. You know what I mean? Like it's just crazy the level oh, that John Facenda takes this stuff. And again, if you if you, you got to see the pictures to go along with it, it's just amazing. Well, Mosh, next to Willie Brown's seventy-four uh, yard interception. Uh, probably the or 75 yard interception, the most electrifying play in Raiders Super Bowl history is probably Marcus Allen's uh, run. Again, we're not going to detail every play that went on during these games, and especially this one because we just freaking dominated from the get go, from you know Jack Squirek's interception to the block punt that was uh, recovered for a touchdown. Like there was, you know, the, we literally scored in all three phases. But the most electric uh, play. In this game, and maybe Raider history, maybe even Super Bowl history. I mean, this is up there it's with the close. Dive, it's David Tyrese pinning the ball against yep, his yep, head. Yep. Like, you could think of a lot of different ones. Well, Marcus Allen, according to John Facenda, running with the night is way uh. up there. This is so good. As Washington's hopes faded into the dying daylight, on came Marcus Allen running with the night. Bucket giving to Allen, setting him wide left. He has to reverse his field, but he, and he gets away for a moment. Comes back up to the middle of 30, 25, 40. First pass, two minutes to 50, down to the 40. Picking up a blocker, to the 20, to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Raiders! Oh, Toledo! Seven, The Raiders are mobbing Marcus Allen, who has just stood a crowd of 72,000 on his collective ear. Stood 72,000 on uh, its collective ear, Mosh. That's uh, nuts. So good. Uh, it's so good. So for those of you that aren't familiar with the play, Marcus Allen starts in one direction. The defense collapses down on that side. He does a complete uh, 360, completely reverses direction. Well, not 360, but like 320 maybe. Like yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? So he turns all the way around and then takes off up the middle of the field and then turns on the Jets, and it's he's and gone. And there's no catching. And there ain't no catching Marcus, man. It's so good. So uh, as I mentioned, you know, the – the Raiders, they just they just throttled the Redskins. They just beat them in all phases. They beat them physically. They beat them mentally. And uh, no one had done that to the Redskins 
at all that year. Um, you know, the Redskins were the defending champions. They were 14 and two. They were 14 and two. Like no one pushed them around the way that the Raiders did. No one bullied them the way that the Raiders did. And uh, and John Facenda details that in Black Sunday. Well, the Raiders said they were going to do it. By golly, so far they are doing it, dominating this Washington Redskin team. Not many teams have done that to the Redskins. No team has done that to the Redskins this year. Sad ass music. <laughs> I love that man. It's just, it's like, it's just like, like, yeah, I know, right? And I'm looking. I have the. Uh, I don't know if you guys can see it or not. Uh, you probably can't in the shot. Maybe in the in the fan cave shot here. Uh, I don't know. You, you can't see it there either. But anyways, I have a picture up there of, of Marcus Allen running and a disheveled Joe Theismann yeah. beat up, shoulder pad hanging out, uh, you know, so, all sullen, walking off with the freaking Lombardi trophy there that Marcus is running to. It's a, such a, it's a great picture. But like it just <laughs> it just so funny to way that 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 they portray the beatdown that that we give them and uh, and again calling into question their character as 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 human beings and as men because according to John Facenda they've lost their honor <laughs> forget losing a football game lost <laughs> they lost their honor for the redskins this was a defeat the dimensions of which they had never experienced a rout from which no honor could be salvaged this is the At best the right heart here. of this darkness was the Raider defense. They had stripped the Redskins of their most trusted weapons and sacked Joe Theismann six times. Nothing on earth that blocked or tackled or passed or ran could have stopped the Raiders on Black Sunday. My, my favorite line ever uttered by Facenda, and he's was you know all said numerous times. Yeah, all great. Nothing on earth that blocked or tackled or passed nor ran could have stopped the Raiders on Black that's Sunday. Sad. Like that's that's a that's like it's poetry, man. Uh, I, you know, it's so good. It's so uh, good. That's crazy. It's I so love good. it. You know, it, <laughs> it's so funny that that all this stuff is still relevant. You know. We 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 uh, those of us that have lived through most of the Super Bowls, we remember when Super Bowls weren't good games. Most of oh them, yeah, most of them were routes for a long for time. The longest huh? time they yeah, were they were, they were routes. routes, you know. And for for this was this was at the highlight of the routing of the routes. <laughs> You was, know, so that was awesome. Yeah, thirty-eight to nine, man. I mean, that's a, a straight-up beatdown. So, uh, so here's how the Raiders closed it out. Here's what it sounds like, according to the last one we have for you from Black Sunday from NFL Films, and it's the post-game celebration. And you know, uh, for those that haven't seen it, uh, if I could just describe the setting a little bit, it's 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 Rod Martin, it's Lyle Alzado, it's they 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 really focus in on the faces. Um, of the players and really you know you see uh, Todd Christensen and Matt Millen and you know the emotion that came out of the players uh, during this time during this uh, this celebration so the music is bombastic it sounds like you know the choirs and the it's just it's this really yeah, dramatic yeah, yeah, tone yeah. but when you see the pictures that are associated with it it makes perfect sense and the Raiders take it away and the Raiders celebration will start
Super Bowl 18, the Raiders again scaled the heights of football greatness and stood alone on the summit. A team of young men filled with promise and old veterans filled with pride. Raiders are an honor to the team's glorious past and the world champions of pro football's present. Okay, so I'm laughing because in our in our in our prep before the show a couple of hours ago, you played that for me, and I'm like, why do you have the Mormon <laughs> Tabernacle Choir going at it full bore in the background? Yeah. And then you played me the video, and I'm like, oh, dude. It couldn't have been yeah, any better. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah, that was yeah. That, that was angelic, man. Yeah, that was yeah. that was amazing. For those of you that, that that have access to the YouTube, call that up, watch it. It will yeah. give you chills. It's going to be so much better than this evening's game. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. You know, it's one of those. I mean, I've seen Black Sunday. I don't know a hundred times. I mean, I've seen it as much as I've seen Star Wars or. Any, right, you know what right, I mean? right. Like probably more, frankly, than in I've seen any of my favorite movies or anything else. And it still, man, gives me chills. And it's still like, Ugh. it's just freaking, it's a masterpiece. Now, look, I know I'm biased. I get it. But it, I mean, I don't think I'm overselling it by saying, in terms of the context of a sports documentary or video, right. it's a freaking masterpiece. Absolutely. Like it, it, 100%. It's, it's absolutely amazingly well done. So um, anyway, so definitely check out Black Sunday and, and, and celebrate John Facenda and the Raiders, as I know you, you, you will. So the last thing that we have for you before we check out of here on, on this game, uh, in terms of audio cues, we're going to go to Al Davis post-game. Uh, picture the, the, the craziness of, 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 of a post-game scene, uh, of a post-game interview. It's, uh, it's Tom Flores. It's Al Davis. It's Brent Musburger. Uh, it's Pete Rozelle and all the players and media and everything. It's just a chaotic scene. And, uh, and this might be one of Al Davis's best, man. Absolutely. This might be his best speech ever. Final score. The Raiders... Oh. I forgot to set up. This is first Madden and Summerall uh, on the on the television broadcast, then leading us in to uh, to the post game scene. Final score: the Raiders thirty eight and the Washington Redskins nine, and a totally dominating Raider team. It'd be uh, lying if you didn't say you were surprised. I know that. Well, they did everything they had to, sure and did. of course, it was a long day for the Redskins. Redskins both with the Raiders had a spectacular year but certainly there can be no argument now from anybody about who's the best team in pro football this is the Los Angeles Raiders final score again 38 to 9 Super Bowl 18 will continue after this word from your local station we are inside the locker room at Al Davis embracing Tom Floyd's this is the first time they have met since the victory. Al, congratulations. Let us, let us start out with the trophy presentation for Tom Floyd and Al Davis. And here's the commissioner, Pete Rosell. Pete? Well, the Raiders, I think everyone would say, beat a fine football team today. The Redskins had won 34 of the last 31 of the last 34 games. And I think that it was a cl clearly a, a very dominant win 
you had scoring by your offense, by your defense, and by your special teams. And I think that uh, while it's hard to mention just one, I wouldn't, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the great job that Marcus Allen did in becoming the most valuable player of the game. And Tom, I think you certainly established yourself as one of the great coaches in the league. Thank you. Your consistent, rec your consistent record of winning over the years, tremendous. And now, you're being congratulated for putting this cast together. You and the Raider management, you put, a, get, put together a great, great football team, and they sure showed it today. Congratulations. Just win. Just win, baby. <laughs> you could have stopped right there. And yeah, been 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 I just want to say, uh, two years ago, when we came to Los Angeles, I really believed that the greatness of the Raiders would be in its future. And with all the great, with all the great teams we've had, I think today that this organization, this team, this coaching staff dominated so decisively that two things must be said. Not only, in my opinion, are you the greatest Raider team of all time, I think you rank with the great teams of all time that have ever played any professional sport. Tom Flores isn't just a great coach in our league with all due respect to the commissioner. He's one of the great coaches of all time. And the coaching staff, the organization, and I want to say one thing to the fans and the great players who wore the silver and the black in the past all over the country. And I want to pay tribute to my partner, Ed McGar, who died this winter. Again, you were magnificent. You dominated. And I love all of you, and you know that. And thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Excellent job. Yeah. Al, let me ask you something. With all the distractions that you have off the field, how are you able to keep focused on winning football games as you do and do throughout the years? When, when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win. Just win. <laughs> That's it, Marsh. Ah. That's it. Just win. So uh, there it is. That uh, close out the uh, the Raiders a Super Bowl victory in a Super Bowl uh, number eighteen there against the Washington Redskins, thirty eight to nine. Marsh, you got any other tidbits on that one, or That's is that it. that we, pretty much it? On we've, on the, we've hit it all, man. We've hit uh, it all. So uh, you know. So thank you uh, to those of you that have joined us uh, live in the chat. Let me hit the chat. It's been a little bit since I did it, and 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 thanks to the Mater Raider, of course uh to to ron for for uh, helping out in there i guess we're i guess that's one of the things that happens with the bigger you get the the more uh, uh chances you have of somebody doing something goofy and that's and so, why you bring people like ron in that's why he got, a, that's why he's the materator and we'll do a video tribute to that <laughs> You know, next, <laughs> next time. Absolutely. So thank you to the moderator, for, uh, Ron, for uh, running the chat in there. And thank you to all of you that join us in there. So White Stallion, Raider Homer, Bobby Wasabi, Carl Rogers, Running Bear, Joseph Morales, I Like It Spooky, Alex Rodriguez, Watts Raider, uh, Ronan. Uh, we've had a whole bunch of people in there th uh, this afternoon. And so appreciate each and every one of you for joining us on this uh, Super Bowl silver and black reflection uh, here as we've gone down uh, – uh, 
uh, memory lane for the Raiders' three Super Bowl victories in Super Bowl 11, 15, and of course uh, 18. So, uh, Mosh, I think that's that's all we got. Uh, you got uh, you'll find us uh, uh, anywhere you can find a podcast. If you liked what you heard tonight uh, here on Raiders Fan Radio, you can find us on any podcast service, uh, which can be Apple, uh, Google, Stitcher, whatever it is. Just search for Murph's Fan Cave. That's M-U-R-F-S Fan Cave. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, or I said Apple Podcasts. You can also find us, <laughs> if you're an Android user, you can find us via app. You can go to the Google Play Store <laughs> and search for Murph's Fan Cave, the app. That's M-U-R-F-S Fan Cave. And then on the YouTubes, which is YouTube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave, you can like and subscribe us there and never miss a live stream. All right. I think Man, that, that was a lot. That was a lot. So I think that's all the words I I got. I'm ready to watch the Super Bowl tonight. Although I don't have a rooting interest, I'll still enjoy the game. I uh, hope you all do as well and hope we've armed you with a little bit of uh, additional knowledge that maybe you didn't have before so you can go in there and represent Raider Nation proudly as I know you will via your attire so you can represent them with your uh, with your knowledge base as well. So Yeah, absolutely. And once again, we appreciate Ron jumping up and uh, and taking your new position seriously. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. We, uh, we know that 24 karat Kev, the cool ass Raider fan is out there. <laughs> I had to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for Mosh and Murph on this Raiders Fan Radio Super Sunday Super Bowl Super Show with your super stupids, thanks for listening today. <laughs> you got your old Uncle Mosh here, and you've been listening to Raiders Fan Radio, where we've taken a lighter side journey into the dark side. Don't forget what happens in Vegas started in Oakland. And that guy, Pete Perot, that second-year guy from southwest uh, Louisiana, he doesn't wear any cologne. He, he doesn't even use deodorant, I don't think. Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call? Yep, that sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com save. She's a licensed therapist, and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus, it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now, you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com save. BetterHelp.com slash save. Got it. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. 
See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com.